Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. Today is January 31st of 2023. This is Q&A 129. This podcast is made for my Facebook virtual coaching group. Uh, welcome new members, Stephanie and Violet from Florida. Um, before I get started with the questions and the topics today, I just want to tell everybody um, I'm really proud of those of you that are really working hard lately. You can see by just riding more during the week, uh, being more focused on uh, picking one thing at a time to improve on, it's really paying off for you with your growth, with your horsemanship, and in your competition. I kind of want to share a little story with you that's been on my mind. Um, a lot of times I see people get really upset about things, maybe going by a barrel or hitting a barrel. I see people that get themselves so upset, anxiety before they compete. They, they are just super stressed out. Maybe their horses won't even go in the alleyway, things like that. And I remember when I was in Northern California for, um, my niece was only 15 and was diagnosed with a horrible stage four cancer that had gone through her body and her blood and her bone marrow. And it was bad. It started in her ankle and spread quickly. Um, I, we, my whole family met in Northern California, spend some quality time together and do things as a family. And I remember checking in on Facebook. This was way back when she was 15. So that had to have been maybe 2012, 2012. And, um, and I remember, um, looking on Facebook and seeing the things that people were upset about. And I thought, if only that was my problem today, if only that was my only worry. But, you know, I think that's what I mean by that is perspective. Sometimes we get really caught up on things that are really not that big of a deal. My niece died six months later and she was only, she just barely celebrated her 16th birthday um, she would never graduate high school, never go to college, uh, never have a career or husband or children. Uh, my brother would never get to do all those things with her, um, watch her graduate, watch her have a career, you know, have grandchildren, get married, walk her down the aisle, all those things that would never happen for them. Um, so when I see people totally frustrated and, and anxiety over something that's supposed to be your hobby and your fun, you know, she would never get to have a hobby or her fun either because of that cancer taking her so young. You know, she never was angry with God. Proverbs um, was her favorite, uh, you know, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now, Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Um Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. She was never angry with God. She just figured there was a reason. There was a plan. And um, yes, she wanted a miracle. She wanted to live with her family. She wanted to live. But it didn't happen. And um, we'll never understand why. Not till I guess we get to heaven. Maybe then we'll have all the answers of things we don't understand, like a, a child dying of cancer. But I'm sharing this story with you because I want you to understand that um, barrel racing is supposed to be fun. And um, it's, it's admirable to want to become a better horseman, 
to have a better relationship with your horse. Um, there's a lot of things you can do. I have, you know, just had a couple clinics and I've got a couple more this Sunday and next Sunday. Um, a lot of things I find in the clinics is we need to return to basics. Going back to basics, even for the 1D, 2D riders, is really important. I also find that people only retain about 10%. So when you only get to meet with someone an hour a week or hour a month, um, it's hard to help them advance. So that's why if it's a young rider or a new rider, weekly lessons would really help a lot. Um, writing things down, having a journal where you write down what you're learning and retain it. Because when you write it down, you retain it better. You retain it longer. Reviewing your videos, your photographs, um, attending more lessons or clinics. All those things can help you improve. But I guarantee you just going and repeating the same thing over is the definition of crazy. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result is definition of crazy. So if you find yourself having anxiety issues, you need to change it up. You need to take that pressure off of you and make it fun again. Make it fun for your horse too. If you're feeling it, you can darn sure expect your horse felt it before you even felt it. Horses are very aware of our emotional being. Um, that's how they survive and that's their natural instincts is uh, to be aware of their environment. So really need to think about your your why you're getting your anxiety. Listen to my mental toughness podcast. It lists like 10 reasons people get mental anxiety and figure out which one is you and then figure out how you can fix it. <clears throat> For some of you, it might be taking a break from competition and just exhibitioning until you can make it fun or treating your entries like an exhibition and just making a run like you're at home, just smooth and pretty and not worry about time to beat or who's there or anything else. Um, so the reason I mention that is because I've been seeing a lot of that where people are stressing out over what other people think and it's your journey. It's not theirs. People are always going to talk. You can't stop people from talking. It's what they do. And sadly, and you know, unfortunately, all you can do is <coughs> keep working towards your goals and do what makes you happy and be good in God's eyes. And that's, you know, really the way you can sleep with your head on your pillow at night. Um, not not worrying about the things that really just don't matter, keeping things in perspective. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if you were to die tomorrow, what would really matter to you? So <clears throat> try to think of it that way, like that Tim McGraw song, right? So um, tomorrow is February 1st, and we're starting new challenges for the group. <coughs> um, let's see here. The uh, February challenges for the skill is going to be more hind in control. So over the next month, I will be sharing videos on backing, um, straight line circles, uh, vertical face flexing, how, you know, getting collections are really important at a walk, trot, and lope. Uh, with a horse, uh, loose rein, whoa, rollbacks, um, hind end two tracking, you know, being able to walk and jog with the horse's hind end pushed in, uh, lead changes, uh, all perfect 10 foot circles that are balanced where the horse is uh, pulling with their shoulders and pushing with their hips and, and they're collected in speed control. All of these things are going to give you more hind end control and therefore improve your overall performance in competition as well. So that's the skill challenge. Um, the 
challenge for your mind is going to be something that I'm seeing far too often, and that's overthinking. Overthinking during the week when you ride, overthinking in competition. Um, so the challenge for the mindset is to pick one thing, one thing to do in competition, one thing to do per ride, and focus on that so that you're not overthinking and you can be in the moment. Overthinking is not a good thing. It can cause you to ride mechanical. It can cause you to have bad timing because if you're thinking and not riding just on muscle memory, you're going to get behind your horse real, real fast. So that's why just focusing on taking that big exhale, you know, you've already done your practice during the week. You're tuned up. You've prepared mentally. You visualize the arena, you know, visualizing, knowing what you're going to do. Clear your mind and just think of one or two max important things that you're going to want to do. And some of you, it might be just go up to the arc, you know, up the middle to your arc. Some of you, it might be ride to your spots. Some of you, you know, for me, honestly, if I just thought about my spots and be being in the moment, I had my best runs. So that's where I think a lot of people get themselves in trouble. The other thing is after your run, I want you to tell yourself, one thing you did well, and then one thing that you want to improve on. Because I know how hard all of you can be on yourself. Um, so try not to uh, do that. Try not to, you know, just pick, pick, pick. Reach down, pet your horse no matter what. Win, lose, or draw after every run. And then go back to your trailer. Let your adrenaline come down. Cool your horse out. And then start deciding, looking at videos and photos and such on what you think you did well and what you can do better next time and journal about it. Your journal is your best friend for improving because you're going to forget things. Um, when a writer tells me they can't remember their run, I know they have a problem with anxiety. Uh, if you get no oxygen to the brain, you cannot think. Uh, if you don't get oxygen to the brain, you cannot retain. So that's why taking five deep breaths, you know, counting, maybe uh, singing a song, whatever helps you settle yourself, relax your body, and allows you to focus in competition, you have to get a routine. And that's why by now, last month's challenges was the D pattern, which I hope all of you did. Some of you had to make it bigger. Some of you had to do it two hands versus one hand. Um, some of you had to, uh, bigger made it easier, um, alternating two hand, big D, one hand, little D. Some of you did that. Some of you aced it and was able to do the smaller pattern one-handed completely. Um, it, it depends on the level of brokenness of you and your horse together as a team. And, um, and that's why it's an important drill and why I made it the January challenge. Now, if you struggled with it, you could do single barrel. Single barrel is easier. It doesn't have that straight line coming out of it. And, um, but it's still very important because you'll do a perfect 10 foot circle and then you go back out to maybe a 60 foot circle. So it's still very important for performance, um, your go cue, your rate cue, your turn cue, which becomes a shaping cue when you're going slower, all of that. So um, those are all things. Uh, the biggest thing I've been seeing trouble with is hand cues. Hand cues don't have to be complicated. Um, we talked about it in podcasts last week. Um, your range should be short enough that you stay in a six inch box in front of your saddle horn. If your reins are going behind your saddle horn, shorten them. Those are too long. I suggest having two sets of reins, a pair of split reins or a pair of long reins that you do all your slow work with. So you can spread your hands a foot apart and balance your horse between your hands. Maybe do some 
suppling exercises where you can work one side, not the other side, um, you know, things like that. That's why long reins are important. But short reins are important for any time you're going to be doing barrel work, competition, all of that. So <clears throat> once you get your reins adjusted, I highly recommend you leave them. And, um, and that way you can do your one-handed drills. So last month's mindset challenge was your journal to have your calendar ready, set your goals, your word, your slogan, have a schedule, a writing schedule, have a pre-run routine. Um, you know, all that stuff was supposed to be done. Uh, write out your one minute positive sprint, the five things you want to improve on this year, um, your routines, all your routines, how you visualize, all those things need to be done last month. So hopefully you got that done. If you're having trouble with it, let me know and I'll help you. I've been doing one hour phone calls with people who are struggling with it. I sent out the email for um, February newsletter and included in there this, the questions. I think there's 10 of them that you should be asking yourself and writing it down in your journal. So make sure you do that as well. So those are our challenges for this year. I mean, this month, sorry. Um, so let's get into the questions. I have a bunch of them today. So that's why I'm going to go ahead and um, not have a topic other than the February challenges is our main topic, which I've been talking about for about 10 minutes. And then we'll go right into the questions. So let's see here. Um, first question is, when should I ride two hand or one hand? Um, okay, so definitely, like I mentioned before, um, there's a, there is a, there is a good reason to do both. Two-handed riding has value as much as one-handed riding. Loose rein riding and contact riding both have value too. And you might be confused when to do what, but you're, you're never going to be completely all around horsemanship training if you don't do both. So I like to do, use split reins and ride two-handed and I will mix it up between in the bridle vertical contact riding where my hands are a foot or two apart and really balancing my horse and getting them collected. Um, I'll do that a lot on colts when I'm really getting their basics solid. Um, that takes time. You're looking at 90 days for vertical collection or not 90, just days, but rides. So lateral left and right flexion takes at least 30 rides and vertical can, at a walk trot lope can take up to 90 depending on the horse. So you could spend the next couple months just working on that. There are times when I'll do it one-handed. I'll shorten my split reins and ride on a loose rein and try to do everything from my seat and my leg. There is a value to loose rein riding too because my goal with my horses is to ride 80% off my body, my shoulders, my seat, my hips, and then only 18% with my legs like my calves and my feet and only 2% with my hands. Hands get people really confused. Um, so so we, when we're trying to balance a horse, we want to balance a whole horse. That's when I'll ride two-handed and I'll work on uh, getting my horse balanced between my hands. Um, my outside rein can help a lot with that. Uh, I might do my three-circle drill where I do a lateral circle, a counter-arcing circle, and a vertical circle. All three of those serve as great exercises to get a horse suppled suppling and collected, getting control of the head, the neck, the shoulder, the ribs, and the hips. All those things are important. When you get control of body parts, five body parts, you get control of their mind, which gets control of hoof placement. 
And if you really want to advance your horsemanship, you need to focus on hoof placement. Know that when you put your left leg by their front cinch, you can move their right front foot over one step. Work on those things. When you put your right um, leg in the back cinch, you can move the, the uh, left hind over one step. Start to be aware of how you um, move your horse's body around. And um, <coughs> someone else, uh, let's see if that answers that question. Um, so, so basically, uh, if you, if the other, on the one-handed, when should I use one hand? I told you when to use two hand. On one hand, think of it as this. If I'm going to compete one-handed around the barrels, then I need to practice one-handed so it feels comfortable for me. So that's why doing two hand, one hand drills are important, like the D pattern, or you can just do my warm up drill, the go rate turn drill, and that's two hands with your go cue, two hands with your rate cue, and then one hand with your turn cue. And it gets you in the habit of being able to balance your horse. If you like to go to the horn when you rate, then you can do two hand go cue, one hand rate cue, and then one hand turn cue. You really want to get where you're comfortable uh, in your slow work using the same cues you'd use in competition. So there is a value to riding on a loose rein, not micromanaging your horse, working off your seat and your legs. There's a value to two-handed to get more vertical collection, more balanced body, especially for young colts um, versus an open finished horse. <coughs> so keep that in mind in your training. There is not one right answer. There is multiple ways of doing things and it should all be done. And remember, it takes a couple years to really train a horse. And if you don't know what you're doing, it might take you three or four. So it, it is not something you learn in a month. I have clients that have been coming to my clinics for 10 years, uh, lessons for years, um, training horses. I trained horses for them <clears throat> for a year at a time. So it's not something that gets done overnight. It is a long process, <clears throat> just like a child in school. They go up the grades, kindergarten, first, second, third, and you have to be patient. You have to enjoy the journey and trust the process. Those are all important things. The next question was, do I like cones versus tires for working around the barrels to incorporate a pocket? So I definitely don't like tires. I have seen way too many horses fall and trip in tires. I don't want anything that's going to hurt a horse next to my uh, barrels or my drills. <clears throat> so I'd rather use cones. If you don't know where your pocket should be on your barrels, just buy a bunch of cheap cones from Walmart in the soccer department and put them up and um, put those cones up, you know, where it gives you a pocket going in or on the backside um, at spots one or two, you know, you can put it three feet from the barrel. You can put it the same width of a tire, but if you hit it, it's not going to cause you to trip or fall. So absolutely do not like tires. Tires are unsafe. I've seen horses fall in them, trip in them, get scared in them, and horses and riders get hurt. So that's something people did back in the 70s and the 80s, back in the Martha Josie days. But over the years, um, like in the later 90s and such, they stopped calling things pockets and started calling them spots and started using cones. So all through the last 20 some years of the, the uh, 2000 years, it's been spots and cones versus pockets and tires. So, so things get better with time. People learn 
and you shouldn't have to do a lot for your horse. If you get your horse super broke, you know, and they know their job, you shouldn't have to do so much. And But if it's a rider that doesn't know where they're going, cones will really help you out. So the next question was on horse shopping. Um, here's my, someone asked me what to look for when they're shopping for horses. Um, so here's what I do. Guilty until proven innocent. I know that's a terrible way, but I don't, I don't get involved in horse sales. I don't like it. Um, because there's so much dishonesty out there. People will say a horse is broke and then you get there and they, they're ride like a stiff board and they're hot, hot as can be, can't even walk a level ground. Um, so to me, until you get them all figured out, um, there's a chapter in my book that recommends things, um, have a list, make a list of what you're looking for, of what kind of horse you think you can ride. And if, if you're moving up like a step up horse or whatever, make a list of what you're wanting, like your price, your goals, absolutely get a pre-purchase exam and buy insurance the first year you have that horse to protect yourself um, because you don't know them. And changing a horse's environment or diet <clears throat> routine can stress them out. And if you spend a lot of money, which all horses are expensive these days, insurance is good because then you can get all the medical done, diagnostics and treatment, and God forbid, mortality if you were to lose them. <clears throat> and the PPE is really important too. If the vet tells you that this horse is going to have high maintenance, that's an issue. So if you're not serious about a horse, though, don't go try them because you're just wasting those people's times and they get upset with tire kickers that are not ready to purchase or maybe the horse is out of their budget or they're just wanting to ride different horses. Um, so don't do that. If you are serious, you've met the horse at their home and you really think you want to buy it, work out getting the pre-purchase exam by, by a vet that's not their vet um, and your own vet or a vet that's neutral. Um, and then see if they'll let you try to jackpot because if it's a finished horse, it might act different in its practice arena or in its backyard than it does at a jackpot or super show. And if you're buying this for uh, a rider that's learning or a kid or something, you want to know that they can handle how they be warm up or in the alleyway. Some other things you need to ask about is their behavior. What bit did they compete in? If they're putting them in this big massive bit in a super tight tie down, this horse might be a runaway or a really strong horse. If it runs in a, a, a side pull or a snaffle, then you can tell it's a pretty broke horse. Um, ask about the maintenance. Some people inject. Some people inject once a year. Some people inject every two or three months. Ask about the horse's diet, how they are to trailer, a tie, how they get along with other horses, the ground manners, all the things that may drive you crazy once you buy them. So have your list and let your list be thorough. If you're buying young, I would definitely buy on bloodlines and confirmation and a, a horse that looks like they have a nice soft eye. I would not buy a horse based on color. Um, that'll just get you in trouble. Buy a horse based on what fits your rider. Don't go buy your horse a 1D horse. Don't go buy your rider a 1D horse if they're barely running 4D. It might be too much horse for them. Um, your step-up horse might be maybe 3D, 2D. You know, don't go from running two or three seconds out to trying to ride a 1D horse if the rider's not ready for that. <clears throat> Figure out if you like, <clears throat> sorry, a push horse or a free running horse. Um, if you need a point and go horse, if you need something that's, uh, you know, more laid back because you're intense or you can handle something that's a little up, 
because you're pretty laid back. So have a list and stick to it is really important. Um, know your budget and when you're ready to go out and do that shopping. So I hope that helps. Hand cues. Um, hand cues has been a big thing. I've done a videos in the group the last week and also wrote it out. Um, it's the hardest thing for writers. Body and legs, not so bad. Looking where they're supposed to is not so bad. Talking to their horses, whoa, here, good boy, whatever. That's not so bad. But hands just get everybody. So the goal, though, is for the horse to turn with a light guiding hand. Um, remember, there's really six positions in front of that saddle horn, a go, a rate, a turn, or three of them. And then you would have a two-hand check for rate, a one-hand bump, you know, two-hand bump or one-hand bump for rate, or um, possibly to start your turn, your hand could come back and up an inch, your pinky could twist under, your hand might just go forward and up an inch if it's a, um, a push-style horse. So, but never pull, always bump and release, never cross your withers, never pull over a barrel. And I hate those nylon um, stretch reins. All they do is keep stretching and stretching and stretching. Those nylon reins that people like because they have knots in them. They're terrible reins. They just keep stretching. So even when you adjust them next week, they're an inch or two longer again. So I like the leather reins or the leather with suede co covering them or those ones that look like English reins that are braided. Um, I like those. Your hands get sweaty. You have something that holds. Um, and just remember, it takes time to develop good hands. So just keep working at it. That's the thing that get people in trouble all the time. Um, horsemanship is definitely having good hands, soft hands, a good seat, quiet riding, uh, never pulled, always give and take. Um, let's see. And it's okay to give, like to bump to start a turn and then give it back flat knuckle. Um, flat knuckles are, are hand cue too. So so really, like I said, there's your go cue, thumbs up, brains forward, your rate cue, hands back when you sit down, and then a neutral cue. Those are the three main ones with thumbs up. But then you can do a two-hand bump with your rate, a one-hand bump with your rate. You could do flat knuckle in the turn um, to you know for your push horse and you don't want to touch them. You could do a little pinky twist to start your turn or to finish your turn. You know, there's a lot of variations, but like I said, you just have to see what works for each horse. Once you ride hundreds of horses like I have, you know that there's a lot of sensitivity out there. There's horses that are heavy. There's horses that are light, and you just have to make adjustments. So the next one is um, hot horse. Um, how? What's the best way to ride a scared or hot horse? For me, it's one-handed because two hands tend to make barrel horses think it's time to run. So if you put one hand on down on the mane and the other hand on their butt and rub them, a lot of times they'll calm down and then just pick your hand up if they speed up or get on the muscle and put it right back down, like give and take. And um, you'll find they start to settle down. But remember when you're trying to settle a horse, maybe you're walk trotting or loping circles, you have to bring that one hand back as you sit deeper in your saddle, like a bump and a release and keep doing your hand almost on the center of your rein and bring it back towards your saddle horn as you sit deeper on your pockets in the saddle and do it with give and take. And that's going to teach that horse to calm down as well. Another great way to get a horse that's hot or scared <coughs> is loose rein. Um, do one rein stops and disengage the hindquarters or um, do possible um, spiral circles or small circles. Um, anything like that will get them focused on you. Um, so work on 
more lateral bend. Um, you have to be a calm, confident leader with this horse. So make sure you're exhaling, you're keeping your body loose, you're being calm and confident. If you think it's scary, they're going to think it's scary too. So when they're scared, you have to let them know, hey, rub them on the neck, everything's fine. Rub them on the butt, we're fine. So let them know things are okay. The next question is, uh, let's see, about making new habits from um, in competition. So it takes at least 90 rides um, to make a new habit in slow work. So for your muscle memory in slow work, it's going to take longer in speed because education with speed takes time. So don't get frustrated. Keep, keep working on it and figure 90 rides to make new habits. So if you have a bad habit of going to two hands too soon behind first barrel, 90 rides at least in your slow work. Um, you know, if you have a bad habit of looking at the barrels and, you know, lifting up your inside rein, 90 days to start looking, riding straighter longer, things like that. Um, let's see the next question, alley issue, um, not loading in the trailer. Oh, okay. 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 So, um, sorry, this is, I misunderstood. So, so, okay. This one, um, was at, talking about a horse that's acting up, not loading in the trailer, maybe not going in the alleyway, resting a leg a lot, um, flinching when you groom it. All of those are signs that a horse is sore possibly. If your horse starts doing something out of the normal, like not wanting to get into its horse trailer, having an alley issue, you see it resting a leg. They never rest uh, all the time. They're acting funky when you're grooming them, like their back sore. <clears throat> Horses are trying to talk to us. That's how they talk to us. And it's our job to listen. We owe it to them to listen and get it fixed for them. This time of year, you have to be careful. The mares are coming in season and their ovaries hurt. All of us as ladies know what it's like to have PMS and know what it's like to have cramps and just not feel good and want to lay in bed with a heating pad. So uh, horses can be the same way. So be aware when they're talking to you, listen and help them. They're, they're trying to help you. I mean, they're trying to tell you. And if you don't listen when they talk, pretty soon they're going to be screaming at you to get your attention. And you're not going to like that part when they're bucking, rearing and, and acting out um, completely. So let's see here. Um, this one says, I feel like my turns are slow. Um, okay, so let's just say if your turns are slow, but your basics are super solid, you may need to hustle your horses more. And I don't mean hustle in the turns as much as I mean hustle out. Be assertive and not aggressive, but assertive. Start driving them more from the alleyway so the momentum carries you through the turn. Drive them more out of each barrel, out of first, out of second, out of third. If you drive them more out of their turns, they'll be snappier in their turns because you can double kick three, four, five, six times across the pin and then sit down two strides out and just let that momentum carry you through the turns. Sometimes you have to drive them with your legs in the turns if they're really lazy. Sometimes you need to not just sit there, but talk to them. Whoa, here, and bump them with your hand and leg. You need to get yourself more assertive in the turns to, so that they don't just lollygag in the turns as well. So all those things can help you. Let's see here. I have like three more questions and then I'll do my close. Um, let's see. How do you know if you're ready to go to MBHA world? Um, they were offered a wild card. So they're a non-member of MBHA. So the first thing, um, 
just know that they have a rule on wild cards. You have to be a member by March of this year if you do want to um, take a wild card. Uh, you can buy those things anytime, just about anywhere. Just put it on Facebook and somebody always has a wild card for sale. But my deal is if you've never been in that kind of environment, that would not be my recommendation right off the bat. I would recommend you do smaller super shows close to home that are only maybe two or three days and see how your horse handles a completely enclosed building. If you currently just jackpot or go to covered buildings, it's not the same as a completely closed in building with blind alleys and things like that. Also, if you just, you know, camp out with porta panels and you don't actually stall, that can be very um, upsetting for horses because it's under lights. A lot of horses are screaming. There's a lot of activity day and night. They're stuck in these 12 by 12s all the time. And if your horse is used to pasture, all of that's a seasoning process. So rather than taking them to world, which is far away and a week long, you could take them to a two or three day show close to home. Um, maybe Jacksonville, maybe Ocala for people that live near me. Um, but for any state you're in, um, picking something close to home and a shorter time frame and see how your horse handles it is what I'd recommend. So um, do things in increments when you're doing, when you're clocking, let's say when you're clocking and you're winning 4D money or 5D, meaning you're two seconds out and you're winning money, that would be the time to move up from jackpots to super shows because it's expensive. Um, I wouldn't pressure my horse or my person, the rider or the horse until at least um, two seconds out in those kind of environments because one, it's expensive and two, it's a lot more co competitive. If you are two seconds out at a jackpot, you're probably three seconds out at a super show um, and it's going to tear your confidence down. So, you know, it's like, do you want to be a, a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a, a big pond? I do believe you have to challenge yourself and be as you're only as good as your competition. But do I think a 4D rider should immediately be stuck with all the best 1D riders in the state right off the bat? No, because that is just going to tear you down. So if you're just getting things figured out at jackpots, stick with that for a year. Maybe make it a goal that you're going to qualify for world next year and try to be in the top five of your of your division. Um in the MBHA district shows, less, less entries, less competitive, um, and then sneak in two or three super shows for the year that are smaller and close to home and see how your horse handles it. Those would be my suggestions. And then your horse gets seasoned slowly and you both don't feel pressured. And I would definitely get there to exhibition in those situations because the first time you'll find it falls apart. Um, Many, you know, it depends on the horse, of course. Some are grittier than others, but many of my clients over the years that are 1D at World, uh, MBHA Open, and Youth, they didn't start out that way. The first times they went there, they ran slower, they hit barrels, or they, you know, weren't as confident, or the horses were really stressed in the stall situation. There are things you can do at those things to make it better for them, more mats, um, turnout time, get him out of the stall a lot more, walk him, graze him, lead him, whatever you need to do. Um, you'll learn there's things you can do to make your horse more comfortable, uh, et cetera. But, but it is a learning process. So that would be my suggestions. Um, the next question was my mare is acting really off right now. As I mentioned earlier, spring heat cycles are tough on mares right now. And it's, they get pain just like we do. Um, 
So, so some horses like sister did better in competition when she was in season, you know, but she was just like, you know, just all like loved everybody when she was in season. Other horses get sore in their back or their, their hind end, like my mare Belle. And then other horses, you don't even really know they're in season, uh, to ride them, um, like Briscoe, but they act a little bit different flirting with everybody in the pasture. So, um, so, you know, you just have to know your horses. Some, it's just emotions, others it's pain. So, so cut your mare some slack this time of year, especially the spring cycles are really strong. This is breeding season coming up, all of that. And the weather changes, et cetera. Days are getting longer and warmer, et cetera. So um, just keep that in mind for your mares. There are things you can do. Um, you can do acupuncture. They've got really good mare herbs out there with like silver lining herbs and stuff. Um, what works for one horse may not work for another. So you just have to try something. So try one thing at a time and see what helps. Um, next question, how often should I work barrels and will it sore them? Uh, so this is about your schedule at home. About a week or two ago in the group, I put in a schedule. Um, so here's my deal. Um, I put a schedule in there based on, now training horses, I'd probably ride them minimum five days a week for about an hour at a time. If they were being good, they may only be in the saddle 30 minutes. Um, but I, here was a typical schedule. One day on the trail, one day drills, one day compete, uh, one day slow barrels, and um, and two days off, and then one day a combination of, um, of drills and slow barrels. So that would be like for maybe the open horse, um, you know, or the novice horse probably, and then maybe the open horse would have two days of trail, one day of slow barrels, and then one or two days of uh, drills, and then one day compete and one or two days off. So you just kind of have to make a schedule that works for your horse. Look at the NFR. Um, Haley, for sister, knew she had 10 days of NFR coming. So she rode her horse every day for 45 minutes, just long trotting in the pasture. Uh, very little arena work, very little drills or tuning. But that's a horse that is a high-level competitive horse. My open horses didn't need to see the barrel pattern. My open seasoned horses, I just worked them out in the cow pasture. I could do all their long trotting for conditioning for their muscles and their, their lungs out in the cow pasture. I was lucky enough to have 500 acres to ride on. So I could do that. Plus I could do their bend and flex, leg laterals, you know, all those things out there. And then when I come in, I might walk the pattern once, give them a bath and a cookie and they're done. So, um, I did one day a week do a drill in the arena. So no, you won't get them sore. If you just are conditioning your horse, it's good. Just like you, when you work out, um, it's better to have a schedule like at least every other day or maybe, you know, two days on, one day off, two days on, um, whatever works for your schedule. But it's not fair to ask a horse to compete that's not getting exercise during the week. That's a really good way to hurt them. Plus, you're not going to be prepared. Um, and so that would be, um, do I want you to run the barrels over and over? No. How much should you do the drills? sets of two or three. You could walk a drill once and then do two or three at a post-trot sit jog, two or three at a lope. And I mean, that's it, each direction. And same with the barrels. Walk the barrels once. If you're patterning your horse or you have a novice horse, maybe uh, trot the barrels two or three times and maybe lope the barrels once and then walk and cool them out again. Lope the barrels twice if you felt like it wasn't great, but then slow back down to a trot or a walk. 
So it won't sore them, but you only have so many gumballs in the gumball machine before you run out. So remember that when you've got to pick and choose your runs, you don't want to run their wheels off. I wouldn't go to every jackpot and every super show in town, or you're going to have horses that are uh, going to be sore, horses that are going to break down sooner. Um, pick and choose. It's just like race horses. They don't run them every week. Um, well, you know, the, the ethical trainers don't. And same in barrel racing, futurities, derbies, um, you know, the ethical people want these horses to go on and be rodeo horses. The unethical don't care if they break down when they're three and four and five years old. So, um, so it just depends on how you want to do your deal. But for me, I want them fit, but I don't want to soar them. So that's why I like the 30 minutes and five days a week. And that can include a competition day, but that also includes two days off as well. I think trail riding or pasture riding is imperative for them. They need time where they just relax and bond with you and just get a little exercise um, to stay in shape. But I do think a little drill or a little slow work on the barrels is good for you guys as team too. So it just, again, depends on the individual horse. So I hope that answers everybody's questions. Um, going to look and see. I think that's everything. Uh, so I do want to say, um, as I close, those of you that are podcast listeners and you haven't joined my group, you should definitely consider it. It's only $15 a month. I promise it'll be the best $15 you ever spend or $150 a year and um, save yourself $30. Um, those of you members who um, tell me in private, thank you. I really appreciate that. It gives me inspiration to keep going and and that I'm doing a good job for you. For those of you that give me shout outs on Facebook, it means a lot because my business is word of mouth. So thank you for that. Um, when you refer a friend, um, thank you. Because like I said, my business is word of mouth for 30 years. And, and it's um, and it's how I, how I provide for my horses, how I provide for myself. It's how I pay my bills. So, um, so I want to just tell everybody... Um, Remember to just stay positive and work hard and keep learning and never give up and you will meet all your goals and dreams. So thank you for tuning in. Um, God bless y'all. And as always, ride with heart.